This is the Reds Fans Chatter Podcast. I'm Scott Evans. He's Nick Lawson. What's going on, man? What up? Oh, what a weekend. What a uh, week of Reds baseball. Uh, Reds go three and four on the week and uh, end it kind of disappointing. Yeah, it could have been better. I mean, there there was opportunities for it to be better, but it wasn't. And then on tonight's show, we're also going to uh, profile Joey Votto. Uh, we, all, we all love Joey Votto. He, he's a fixture here in Cincinnati. And a reminder to you to uh, subscribe to us on uh, what, however you listen to us. Subscribe either on Podbean, on uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. I think we're on Pandora, too. I'm not sure. We're everywhere. I, I think we're everywhere, but I Heart Radio. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, uh, taking a look, uh, we're going to take a look at the, this past week. We're going to look at the bullpen and uh, much more. But do you have any uh, looking back in Red's history uh, items for the week? I do have one. Um, August 6, 1890. Do you remember that, 1890, Scott? Do you remember those days? I'm not that old. <laughs> oh. Uh, John Riley, who's a Red's Hall of Famer. Uh, becomes the first major leaguer to hit for a cycle in, in different leagues when the Reds, uh, who had actually moved from the American League to the National League, beat the uh, beat Pittsburgh at League Park 16 to three. He was the first baseman, the first first baseman to hit for two cycles in 1883 uh, when they were in the American Association and were known as the Red Stockings. It's a little, little tidbit of information. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, let's take a look back at the uh, week uh, in baseball. I guess first up, uh, the good news, and I can't remember if, if we knew that uh, on last week's podcast or not, but uh, Votto tested negative for COVID. I think we discussed it, you know, in, in, in kind of the detail that, you know, he, he was out. He was put on the, on the list, the injured list, but he wasn't injured. And we kind of figured he was – he had – neither had tested positive or something else. And uh, apparently he did test positive and then they say he tested negative. So then they let him, let him play. I, I didn't think he ever tested positive. I thought he, um, I thought with him it was, uh, he had symptoms, but, uh, and then had to wait for the test to come back uh, negative. I mean, you could be right. I, I try to remember the interview he had with Jim day when yeah. he, the first came back. I think he was, they were talking about it and, yeah, that he, one, by the way, that by the way, that was the best interview ever. <laughs> Joey Votto interviews are the best anytime, whether whether he's on intentional talk on with uh, Jim Day. Uh, he doesn't do a lot of interviews, uh, but the ones he does, I've never heard a bad Joey Votto interview. He probably should do more because he's so good at it. Right. I mean, the guy he could talk all day. He could talk baseball with him. He could talk anything. He probably talk Canadian national anthem. Who knows? <laughs> He'll just go on and on. Anyway, then they started the series against the Indians. Uh, four game series. I know you hate the four game series, but uh, two in Cincinnati, two in Cleveland, and it's not just because of uh, COVID nineteen. That's something they've been doing the last uh, few years, if not the last decade or so. Well, I mean, they did that a couple of years ago when they played Oakland two here, and then they had to go to Oakland, fly all the way out to California for two games, which was ridiculous. <laughs> I hated, I hate that. I mean, I bet then they hated it too because you went from Cincinnati to, to California, and that's not a short trip. Right. And then, well, last year the uh, Reds had a two game series with the Indians 
but it was a Saturday Sunday series. Uh, they had a Friday night off. The Friday nights offer that was a weird. That was a, I never you never could get used to that because you have your firework Fridays and then you have it off and then what's the point? Well, I actually, well, last year they they uh, did uh, use that time to uh, celebrate the hundred and fiftieth anniversary. It's really cool. Had helicopters on the field, uh, con- free concerts. Uh, from what I understand, baseball was not happy that they made it a free event. Uh, but Phil Castellini uh, basically said, "We're doing what we want." Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it, it, he's he's basically playing the owner card. You know, I own the place, so <laughs> we'll do what we want to do. Right. So anyway, getting into the game's first night, uh, Sonny Gray on the mound. Uh, pretty good. Pretty good uh, game. I was. It was brought some hope back for the Reds as they uh, beat the Indians that night. Yeah, Monday, August third. Um, that was a good game. I mean, you had a pitching matchup. You had uh, Plesac and Sonny Gray. Uh, both pitchers were on for the night. They did, you know, pitch pretty well. They went to the sixth and seventh inning respectively. Um, not not a whole lot of offense between the two teams. You had totally total of nine hits between them. Um, but Sonny Gray, he actually looked pretty good. He did have a high pitch count. Uh, but I think we left. He had 102 pitches after six innings. Right, but uh, he continued his streak of yes. six hit or less games. He only gave up uh, in this game uh, a total four. of four hits. Yes. Four eight, hits, eight, one, eight, one earned run. Eight strikeouts, two walks, four. You have only four hits, two runs, one earned. Not a bad night. Not a bad night at all. Reds won three to two. Joey Votto had a home run. Uh, it was great to see him. Uh, get back into hitting, uh, and, and uh, the rest of the team uh, did okay that night. It, it looked like uh, the Reds were going to show some promise, uh, winning a game that was a very good pitching matchup. Iglesias came on for the save, uh, so it's a very positive night for the Reds. Plus, Castellanos homered in that game as well. He, he's homered almost in like every other game. So it's becoming a habit. You know, he just gets out there and says, "You know what? Here, boom! I'm going to hit one out." Then we get to Tuesday night, and uh, the Reds end up losing four to two. Um, again, not a bad uh, pitching outing by um, Tyler Malley. Tyler Malley went six innings, uh, gave up one hit, uh, two walks, no earned runs. Uh, but uh, then the bullpen came. We're going to get into the bullpen here soon. That that's going to be that's. Uh... That one makes me mad. That's what I kind of get on a soapbox on that one if I have to. But I don't. I don't want to. But somebody has to say something. That this bullpen is bad. But yeah, they lost that game. Malley with six innings, hit six strikeouts. I think it was one hit. I was impressed. He did, he pitched very well. He threw ninety eight pitches. And uh, Nate Jones ends up uh, giving up the runs. Cody Reed uh, came in, didn't look uh, too bad this game. One inning, uh, no earned runs. But uh, yeah, the bullpen is uh, not good. The, the bullpen is terrible. Let's be honest. The bullpen sucks. <laughs> not everybody's bad. I mean, you know, Pedro Strope's been pretty good. Amir Garrett's been pretty good as well. Right. Now, Strope did give up two runs that night, both unearned. Yeah. Um, And then didn't he get hurt after this game, too? No, it was in Milwaukee. Oh, was it in Milwaukee? Okay. Mm-hmm. But Lucas Sims uh, came in the game for a third of an inning. He did walk a batter. 
but he, he he looks pretty. He's actually looked pretty good in, in in the bullpen. He's been coming in. He's getting. He's doing some holds. You know, they get that hold. But he's doing good as well. Um, uh, looking at the stats here, uh, Mustakas is a game that he left with an injury. Uh, was replaced by Kyle Farmer in that one after two at bats. And um, so we go to the next game, and this is one where uh, I thought originally it was going to be. Um, um, I think when we looked at it, it was going to be Castillo starting, but uh, David Bell kind of uh, mixed things up and had uh, Antone start. Yeah, he uh, he did pulled a little switcheroo on us. I uh, started TJ Antone. Um, he, 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 he look at his stats. He went four and a third. He struck out four and he walked four. He pitched better than the than the stats show because uh, Lorenzen did come in, and we know Michael Lorenzen's been struggling lately. Right. Uh, he came in the one the, the the he actually gave up the two runs, but one was charged in Antone. Right. Yeah, he uh, tough game. Uh, the offense was dead. Completely. Reds had not good, not good at all. Reds had three hits, no runs, and started a uh, scoreless streak and almost a hitless streak uh. of innings. Uh, as we go into the next game, which we all kind of want to forget. Yeah, this one makes you cringe. The Reds lost thirteen to nothing. Yeah, I, I didn't want to say it. <laughs> <laughs> you have ten, uh, ten runs in the seventh inning, and that was all bullpen. Luis Castillo got the start. He didn't pitch awful, but he also didn't pitch uh, great. And then uh, the bullpen came in and just basically gave it away. Ten runs in the seventh inning. Uh, here's how bad it was. And, uh, you know, my, my kids are two years old. I have two-year-old twin boys. We were watching the game together. And then all of a sudden, when the bullpen starts coming in, they haven't even didn't even give up a run yet. Uh, my one son just starts screaming, trains, trains, trains. So I had to flip it over to YouTube to watch trains, and I, I see my phone blow up, and I and I see I'm like, thank goodness we switched to trains. I I, I wish I would have switched to trains because this is <laughs> terrible. I, I was I, if I could have picked up my television off the wall, I would have thrown it because this is how bad it was. I mean, it went from, I think, up to, up to that inning, it was only three to nothing. So you, were, you still had a shot to do something, but then, right. the, and then right. the bullpen comes in and gives up ten runs. Ten runs, people. Yeah, and only another night of only three hits uh, by the offense. I mean, you had Matt Davidson pitching in that inning. He's a position player. <laughs> and he and, had a strikeout. You know, and come on. Yeah, one strikeout, uh, gave up a hit. In yeah, one inning pitched, uh, zero ERA. Uh, hey, maybe they, maybe they should use him as a two way player. I think he's the best reliever we have. <laughs> uh, yeah, in that game, uh, De Leon uh, gave up eight runs on four hits and four walks. Disaster. He has a forty three point two ERA. Wow. Then Cody Reed came in for a third of an inning, gave up two more runs off of. Two hits and one walk uh, ended that game with a 16.2 ERA. And then, like I said, Matt Davidson was the pitcher of the night uh, for that game. Let's just say we haven't seen Jose DeLeon since that game. You know, there's a lot of pitchers we haven't seen in the bullpen for whatever reason. 
Yeah, I think they, they put De Leon on the taxi squad. <laughs> Whatever that is. Then we get to uh, Friday night, and things are looking much better. Um, Reds win 8-3, to and uh, the bats finally wake up, especially Suarez's bat. Well, th- this is going into Milwaukee after that disastrous Cleveland trip. And, uh, yeah, the Reds, the bats did wake up in this one. It's six runs, second inning. Uh, detailed by a Matt Davidson home run in that one and a Castellanos home run in the sixth inning. Uh, where Davidson had three RBIs, was two for five. Castellanos is also two for five or three. They were, they were matching numbers, so that's cool. Yeah, I remember uh, when this uh, lineup came out, people were like, is, is Bell wanting to lose? Because <laughs> it really yeah. looked like a Sunday spring training game uh, where you barely even have the four major leaguers in there that baseball now requires for minor league games. Well, I think even in my Facebook group, I was saying this, this, this lineup is awful. And then I said, this lineup's awful. And they put up eight runs. So I guess I was wrong. Eight runs, nine hits, uh, no errors. Yeah. Uh, Brewers, uh, score three runs, five on five hits, no errors. Uh, Trevor Bauer, once again, six innings, uh, didn't have his best stuff, but only gave up three hits, 12 strikeouts. 12 strikeouts, man. That, that dude is a, is a beast. Uh, and now has a .93 ERA. I, I think he might be in contention if he keeps pitching like this uh, for NL Cy Young. Uh, how do you, I mean, with a 60-game season, how do you determine the Cy Young? Because your starting pitchers are going to they can pitch 15 games. Uh, yeah, I know. It's, it's going to be the, the same thing with the MVP and all the other stats. You're not going to have the 7, 8, uh, wars that uh, you do normal years, you may be looking at two and three as uh, your top performers. Yeah, I mean, uh, I wouldn't mind that, especially since we have three pitchers in the top ten in the starting oh, rotations yeah. right now. Um, I would take that. I mean, I, I would take all three of those guys right now as as the top three in the Cy Young. Yeah, I think the other thing that's going to make a difference is with all the uh, COVID cancellations, uh, other teams, there's going to be a lot of uh, – Innings or games that have seven innings versus nine. Yeah, the, the whole plus the whole doubleheader thing. Right. Plus uh, seven innings there, and then you know, and you get extra innings with the deals, you know, you know runner at second base and all that. That's that's gonna be that's still find that weird, but I think it's it seems like the players are happy with it. They seem to like it. Why not? Um, yeah. Also yeah. in this game, uh, Cody Reed got another inning for some reason. Uh, did yeah. good, did good though. One inning pitched, uh, only gave up a hit, no runs. Uh, Strobe came in. I think this is the game you said he got hurt in. Uh, did give yep. up one earned run. Uh, <clears throat> and then uh, Sims, uh, he pitched two ga- two innings to uh, close it out, and uh, he's pitching really well. Yeah, he's, he's been pitching well out of the bullpen. I mean, I like to see him get a start here and there because I think his stuff is good enough for at least five innings. Uh, you said Strope. Strope did get injured in this game. He only threw to one. I think he threw to two batters. Yeah, he walked two batters. Uh, he left with a groin injury, and Senzel left with a groin injury as well in this game. Not fun. No. Uh, but anyway, Reds win, and then they carry that over into Saturday's game, and the Reds – uh, they went again, uh, beating Milwaukee four to one. I'm trying to pull it up here. I'm oh. <laughs> and uh, this was uh, Desclafani's game. Uh, he pitched really well again. Um, Still no ERA. 
it, that's kind of hard. We talk about Trevor Bauer and his yeah. dominance, but uh, Disco, no ERA so far. I mean, granted, Disco's only what, he's had two two games, I think. Right. And he hasn't given up another run yet. That's impressive. We can't say the same for Lorenzen, but no. that's a different story. <laughs> he's, he also pitched in this game, and he gave up the lone run for the Brewers in that game as well. Right, gave up two uh, two hits off one, in one run. Uh, Glacius came in, got the save, looked really good. Looked like a uh, the dominant closer he was from a couple of years ago. Uh, and he then, looked he looked really solid. His his fastball is is crazy. It's like ninety seven. I think he's talking about about ninety seven ninety eight. Right. Uh, the bats uh, they did okay this game, but uh, still some struggling from <laughs> Votto, struggling from Philip Irvin. Uh, Jesse Winker's finally starting to uh, heat up. This game he was only zero for one uh, as he left the game after he got hit by a pitch. Uh, he was okay though. Uh, but uh, the the bats really need to wake up. Yeah, I mean Suarez is starting to hit. He hit a uh, hit a home run in this game. I think believe it was a three run homer. It was a. Uh, I think he he's really starting to come around. Uh, but I mean, once you put it all together, I think this team is going to be unstoppable. Right now, I think just one's off and one's on, and then when they're both off, I mean, we saw what happened with Cleveland. Right. And uh, the guy that's uh, been very absent in the bullpen this year, Amir Garrett, he also got an inning of uh, no-run baseball. Yeah, I think the fans are calling for him to pitch a little more. I I kind of agree. I mean, uh, he, he's – it's almost like – we can get into this in just a minute, but uh, it's almost like uh, David Bell's managing this like it's a spring – I get kind of a spring training feel for whatever reason – uh, to how he's uh, doing his lineups, how he's managing the end game, how he's managing the bullpen. It, it seems like he's just trying to get everybody to get their work in. Yeah, I, and I, I can understand that. I think he believes that because you didn't have a lengthy spring training and the summer camp was mostly in, their, in their, you know scrimmage games and what have you. But, I mean, you're, you're playing this is for real. This isn't This isn't preseason anymore. This is for real. So when you're pulling a starter after six innings, he throws 88 pitches. That gets a little frustrating, especially if you're your starter. He knows he can go another inning. Yeah, and that goes into uh, Sunday's game. Uh, this one was tough. Sonny Gray got the start again. Kept his streak alive, but uh, <clears throat> probably was left in an inning too long today because he, he struggled today. Uh, umpire. Uh, didn't help with that. Uh, you hate to blame the umpires, but uh, some of the calls, especially in the first inning, uh, probably gave. Uh, I mean, really, is on both sides too. So it wasn't like the Reds had an unfair advantage, or the Brewers had an unfair advantage because of it. But uh, there was extra pitches thrown by both uh, sides that uh, were partially due to uh, missed calls by uh, the uh, home plate umpire who made his major league league debut last night. Uh, so. Yeah, he was awful. He was awful. <laughs> I'm going to put it out there. He was awful. Yeah, so, I mean, you had, in, in the first inning alone, you had 50 pitches thrown between the uh, two starters. Yeah, Sonny, Sonny was, he, he was really shaky today. Uh, only five and a third. I, yeah, like you said, I think he went a little further than he should have. Um, maybe that was at his own discretion. Maybe he said he could go another <laughs> inning. I don't know. You don't ever let your player tell you he can go another inning if he can't. Right, um, but he had seven strikeouts. He did three. He did walk three. 
Seven walks to combine today. Yeah. Uh, ERA jumps up to 2.25, which uh, is still, I'll take that. Yeah, still very good. <laughs> uh, Lorenzen came in, another tough outing for him. Um, <sighs> gave up one hit, but three walks. And I don't know if any of those were uh, bad calls by the umpire or just not having control. Uh, three earned runs, uh, 16.880 ERA now. So, um, Lorenzo needs some confidence. Uh, I don't know uh, if if uh, David Bell needs to look at using him differently for a couple games just to kind of get his uh, confidence back up. Uh, Cody Reed came in and uh, he did okay. So maybe that's maybe that Lorenzo needs to go into that role. Uh, originally, I thought Lorenzo would be used in kind of the eighth inning role where uh, he's setting up for um, for Iglesias or even doing spot saves for Iglesias, but uh, that's not how he's been used this year. So I don't know if it, if there's a reason for that. I know uh, I know he hasn't he hasn't performed well either to get that eighth inning role, but uh, I don't think he really ever got that chance to pitch in the eighth inning, if I remember correct. What, didn't he say he wanted to pitch all 60 games? Thank God that didn't happen. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I mean, his ERA is, is well, outrageous. I, th- I think he was saying he wanted to play all 60 games kind of as a two-way player. Or maybe he did say pitch all 60 games. But either way, uh, he he hasn't earned that no. so far. I, I love Michael Lorenzen, uh, but his play this year has been down from what it should be. Um, hopefully he can get it turned around because the Reds need that. There's one thing that this team – because I heard, I believe it was uh, either Tom and Chris talking about it or uh, Tommy Thrall and uh, the Cowboy talking about it, about the 2012 team compared to this year. Uh, there's one thing the 2012 team had uh, that this team is missing, and that is veteran bullpen arms. I mean, you have Pedro Strope, uh, but beyond that, it's pretty much guys that have come up the last few years during the losing seasons, and... Uh, you don't have a David Weathers or an Arthur Rhodes like you did in 2010, uh, 2012. Um, for whatever reason, it, it just seems with the younger guys in the bullpen, uh, when they get into these bad streaks, it gets contagious. Yeah, I mean, he, like you said, with Strope, he's a, he's a veteran. And, then, and, and uh, Nate Jones has been around. Uh, he was with the White Sox for many years. Um, but you got to have more than two guys that have experience of, of being around for a while and right. they've seen they've been on the bad te- <coughs> excuse me they've been on the bad teams they've been on the good teams they've been on the mediocre teams so they need to help out the younger guys who 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 need a, a little bit of a of a confidence boost maybe Lorenzen's having that right now maybe he's having a, he's not confident in his ability right now. Maybe we should have been working on his pitching in the offseason instead of pumping pumping iron and doing push-ups. <laughs> I don't know. I'm and not then, saying that's a bad thing because I like Michael Lorenz, and I think he's right. a hell of a guy. Uh, Michael, if you're listening, we love you, man, but we got to get your stuff together, brother. Um, we saw what happened to Brooks Raley. He got designated for assignment, and the Astros got him now. So right. that could happen to you. You don't want that to happen to you. You don't want that to happen <laughs> to anybody right now. Yeah, we think- want everybody to get their stuff together. Right, and uh, and with the bullpen, that's the one thing I think is missing. I mean, a couple years ago, you had Bronson Arroyo, uh, couldn't really he, as a starter, but then I think he got moved to the pen for a little bit before he decided just to to call it quits as his arm just couldn't go anymore. But uh, you at least uh, had him around as kind of a as a uh, 
liaison between the pitching coach and the uh, bullpen. And I think that year you saw some positives uh, from the pitching staff from Arroyo being around. Uh, having a David Weathers type uh, player, uh, I don't know who would be available uh, via trades at this point, but uh, it seems like uh, that's something the Reds Reds need. They don't necessarily need a shutdown closer type, but uh, an ex- a very a good. Uh, I think that's the thing. They've had some experienced uh, players on this team, but none of them have a have a huge Pedro Strope does, but uh, he he's he struggled the last couple of years. You need someone that uh, performs well uh, at a high level uh, to kind of fit into that seven, eighth, ninth inning role, uh, and and also into a kind of a uh, leadership role or a guy, kind of a, like a stopper for the bullpen. That's something that the Reds are missing. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I think there there is there is a piece missing at the end of the bullpen. You always need that setup guy. And that's what I thought Nate Jones was going to be. I thought he was going to come in and be the setup guy for Iglesias. And then we, I heard some rumblings of Lorenzo was supposed to do that, and then nobody really knew after that. So I think there was a lot of question marks going into when the COVID shutdown happened. Um, but, yeah, if we could – I mean, you got the trade deadline coming up here in a couple of weeks. And if you could go out there and find some arms, you know, some veteran pitchers that could, right. they could, they could be stoppers, I think you, it's something to look into. And uh, other notes from uh, this game, uh, Winker, finally, his bat really woke up. He was three for four today uh, with uh, two RBI, a uh, home run, and uh, he's now hitting 275. Well, I mean, it's about time. I mean, it took him a while to get started. He's, he was having the Joey Votto slow start, but he finally got off. Yeah. Off, of, off his feet in this series. Uh, Votto and, and now Castellanos is in a little slight slump. Uh, his, his batting average drops to 293. Votto's now below 200. Uh, Trade him. Trade him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Barnhart's not hitting. Uh, Galvis isn't hitting. Uh, Jankowski finally got a hit today. Uh, Akiyama is hitting 238, uh, which. Uh, sadly, is about league average. Uh, the last few years, they were slightly below league average. Um, so no one is hitting on this team uh, at the same time. It's a problem they've had for years. Uh, Votto needs to become more Votto-like. His OPS is down to 731, so he's starting not to even get on base uh, like he was early in the season. I don't know if pitchers have adjusted to him already or if he's just in a, in a slight slump, uh, which – is magnified when it's only a 60-game season. Yeah, that's true. And Akiyama's actually on a four-game hit streak, so he's, he's starting to come around, too. You know, it's taking him a minute, but he's getting right. there. But, I mean, the pitchers have seen Joey Votto for years. So they, they have to adjust it. And even though Joey's choking up, I like the fact he's choking up because he, he's actually shortened his swing a little bit. And that helps it when you're, especially when a guy that's his age, he's getting up there in age. We can't can't hide that, and he can't fight father time. You know, that's how it is. But I think he's, uh, he, especially against lefties, I think he's hitting better against lefties. Uh, and we'll we'll get into a very in depth conversation looking back at the career of Joey Votto in just a few minutes. But first, uh, let's uh, talk about the player of the week. I'm going to still go with uh, Castellanos. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with Castellanos as well. He's had a pretty good week. Um, and then for Pitcher of the Week, Trevor Bauer. 
Yeah, yeah, I think I'm gonna go with Trevor. I think we're we're in agreement on these two this week. I think Trevor <laughs> Bauer is uh, he's had a pretty good week as well. And now time for the Reds trivia question of the week, and this one. Do uh, it. It's a little bit tougher. Contrary to many beliefs, the modern-day Cincinnati Reds franchise was not one of the original teams in the inaugural National League season of 1876. The modern-day Reds franchise began in the American Association in which year? I think this is part of my, my turn-back-the-clock <laughs> question. It was, pretty, it was close. I don't think this exact answer was in that, though. Uh, well, I believe it was 1889. Well, this is this is when, not the year that they went to the National League. This would be the year that they uh, started in the American Association. Okay, uh, I believe. Oh man, I, I wasn't around then, so I don't know. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna stick with. I'm gonna go with 1883. All right, we'll have the uh, answer to that at the end of the show. All right, let's talk about Joey Votto. Okay. Everybody has an opinion on Joey Votto. Uh, some of it is good, and some of it is just wrong. Yeah. But uh, anyway. Depends who you talk to, I guess. Right, right, right. But uh, anyway, let's uh, talk a little bit about his uh, early life. He was born in Canada. I think everybody knows that. Uh, his uh, mom's name was Wendy. And his dad's name was Joseph. Uh, he's born in Toronto, grew up in uh, a district of, I can't pronounce it. I thought he was always born in Vaughan, Canada, which uh, has a very, or had a very awesome mall up there. It was one of the biggest malls I've been to and that's still active. Like they didn't have empty storefronts or anything. Um, I've never been to Canada. It is an awesome place. But uh, anyway, Canada, eh? okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> Super nice people there. Went went to uh, a game in uh, in 2017. There saw the Reds get beat 17 to two. Left in the fifth inning after somebody said, "If you don't leave early, um, you'll never get out of the parking lot because we parked underneath Sky Dome." And uh, awesome. And and, and the, the game was 17 to two. I'm like. Dude, you ready to go? I hate leaving early, but we have a 10-hour drive tomorrow. So, we left. <laughs> but, 17 to 2, I'd leave too. But no Sky or Rogers said it'll always be Sky Dome to me, but uh, Rogers said a really cool um cool stadium. It's it's not modern like uh like the modern stadium, so it's kind of a throwback to the uh, late 80s, early 90s cookie-cutter stadiums. Of course, it was the first uh fully retractable uh, roof stadium. I, I think the uh, Expos had one, but it was not automatic. Uh, they actually had to roll the roof on or off. Uh, this one uh, works really well. The night I went, it was closed, so very loud atmosphere, especially with the uh, Reds getting beat uh, really bad. No drink holders in the in the uh, stands there. That's Canada. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... But uh, they don't. They can't afford cup holders there. I mean, no, nah, but the, uh, uh, the the concessions there were pretty cool. I, I didn't get a hot dog because uh, we ate at this place uh, called the Loose Moose before the game, and uh, they wow. the the sandwich I had it was a bacon cheeseburger, but the bacon was baked into the bread. Interesting. It, it was very good, and then I left my tickets at the table. 
in downtown Toronto. Uh, me and my friend are, are walking to the stadium, and then all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, crap. I forgot my tickets. I turn around, and the waitress, uh, she was right behind us, chasing us down, uh, handing me the tickets. So, uh, one, I'm glad I tipped her well, <laughs> but... Uh, yeah. Secondly, that, that's just how nice Canadians are. So uh, the uh, the stereotype is is very true, especially when we got to downtown uh, downtown uh, uh, Toronto. Uh, but anyway, he was born in Toronto. Uh, his father was a chef and a baseball fan, and of course, Vado is of Italian and English uh, descent. And uh, another note, uh, and this is not surprising, uh, he had a Ted Williams uh, poster on his wall. Uh, of course, he played baseball in high school at uh, Richview Collegiate Institute in 1997. Uh, he also played basketball as a point guard and once scored 37 points in a game. And he also played uh, hockey for uh, the Rangers in the town that I can't pronounce. Yeah, I was going to say, can you say the name of the where the high school is in Ontario? <laughs> now, this is something I didn't know. After high school, uh, he signed a letter of intent to play coll- collegiate baseball uh, for the Coastal Carolina uh, Chanteliers wow. uh, in uh, Myrtle Beach. I, I remember them uh, from the NCAA basketball tournament one year where they should have beat uh, Indiana, but the uh, referees gave it to Indiana because nobody is good enough to only foul two times in a single half. Were they NBA referees? <laughs> I mean... But the Coastal Carolina had like 20 fouls against them, and I'm exaggerating. But I, I really think in the second half, uh, they only called two fouls against Indiana. It was uh, You could kind of tell they wanted Bobby Knight to continue on. I think it was one of his last seasons at Indiana. Bobby Knight was always in the throwing chairs. That's always, every time I hear Bobby Knight's name, I see that chair flying across the floor. Anyway, Vado went on to uh, be drafted instead of going to uh, college. Uh, he was drafted in the 2002 Major League Baseball Draft, 44th overall selection. And the general manager at the time, it, it's hard to believe there's still a player around from uh, that era because it seems like eons ago, Jim Bowden. Ah, uh, yes, Jim Bowden. We all have our uh, special <laughs> stories about Jim Bowden. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, you, you couldn't go wrong with him drafting Joey Votto. That was very smart. Yeah, he, he made a few good moves, Bowden did. Uh, thankfully, he never did trade Votto because he loved, to, he loved to acquire players and then just trade him. I guess he, my guess is he didn't see Votto as a five-tool uh, player. Well, fooled him. Yeah. <laughs> In uh, 2002, he played for rookie-level Affiliate uh, Dayton Dragons uh, in the Class A Midwest League. He hit 26 doubles, 14 home runs, and a batting average of 302 uh, before being promoted to, I didn't even know this was a Reds Meyer League affiliate at the time, uh, the Potomac Cannons in the uh, High A Carolina League. Got five more home runs in 20 games uh, to end the season with a total of 19 home runs. Uh, that year he also uh, played in the outfield and catcher. I heard that. So uh, that could be a good question for uh, David Bell. I, I would never ask that, though. But would Votto be like your fourth emergency catcher if you uh, absolutely needed him? I, I think at his age, I doubt he can squat that long in a game. <laughs> I, I would not I would not have him do that either. But uh, No. That would be a back injury. We don't want that. No. 
I mean, Johnny Bench at that age, uh, I think he only caught one one or two games. Uh, mainly, uh, I think he caught the the Johnny Bench night, and that may have been may have been it. Yeah, I think that's the only time I've ever seen him catch. <laughs> uh, and then also in 2005, he got bumped up to uh, the Sarasota Reds of Class A Advanced Florida State League. Hit 19 home runs there. Struck out 122 times. And his batting average dropped to uh, 256. It's hard to imagine a, a 256 Joey Votto, uh, other than last year when he hit 261. Yeah, but he rebounded the following year, though. Oh, absolutely. 2006. Uh, now, this is where my story comes in. In 2006, I went down to my parents uh, at that time had a uh, place down in Sarasota. They hung out for like January through March. And uh, I went down to visit them one March uh, during spring training. And uh, me, my dad, and my uncle uh, ended up on the backfields at Sarasota. And I thought we were allowed there, but when I talked to the Reds when I went to spring training in uh, Arizona a few weeks ago, like, no, you were never allowed there. So we just kind of walked there. No one said anything. Uh, the security was a little, a lot more relaxed compared to what it is in Arizona. If you've ever been out there, but, uh, anyway, we're back to the watching. It was a game, off day for the reds. Uh, we just walked back there to the backfield standing behind the backstop. And I see this guy, um, just killing the ball. I'm like, why is this guy not on the major league team? Cause this was when the reds were really struggling 2005, 2006 and, uh, 2006 is when Castellini took over the team. Uh, new general managers came in. And, uh, the, of course, a couple big trades happened while I was down there um, or near while I was down there. First, um, Bronson Arroyo uh, was or was acquired from the Red Sox for Willie Mo Pena and uh, saw Bronson's very first uh, game in spring training that year. Um <laughs> Tony Womack was at that at that point was going to be the Reds' second baseman, Ugh. and of course uh, I what saw a him. Huge disappointment he was. I saw him. <laughs> well, in, in that game, he made so many errors. I'm like, this guy is not good. No. Uh, and then thankfully they made the probably the trade of the century, uh, trading Jeff Stevens to uh, the Indians for Brandon Phillips. Uh, yeah, that that definitely after you know seeing what Brandon did here, I mean that was a steal of the century. <laughs> uh, I, that was the best trade ever. <laughs> it had, it, it it's definitely up there. I mean we the Castillo trade for Dan Straley's up there, but uh, Jeff Stevens, uh, who I don't think ever made the majors, and actually I think ended his uh, minor league career back in the Reds organization. Uh, that has to be one of the best trades probably uh, in in Reds history. I would think so, uh, because Brandon Phillips, I mean, he was a relatively an unknown player. He was actually in the Expos organization originally, and then, uh, I don't know how Cleveland got him, and I got him in a trade or whatever, but when we got Brandon Phillips, I mean, that was that, that side of the field was set for a long time with Brandon Phillips and Joey Votto. Yeah, and Joey Votto in 2006, he did not make the major league team that year, but uh, for Chattanooga, he uh, did what he uh, looked like in that backfield in Sarasota, Hit 319 for the lookouts with 46 doubles, 22 home runs, uh, led the Southern League in batting average. And 22 home runs in the Southern League is a lot. A lot of the stadiums are in uh, really humid area, 
areas, but it's a hum, hum it's not the humidity here where the ball just seems to carry with the wind and everything. It's a humid it's a humidity where everything is just dead. Like it it feels like when you go outside, uh you've already taken a shower. <laughs> it's 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 that kind of uh kind of uh kind of weather conditions. I've been down to games in uh, Pensacola seeing guys that uh are supposed to be home run hitters and look at their stats. They have 10 home runs in late August. I'm like, okay. Then they get to the majors and they hit like 30. <laughs> so, yeah. so hitting 22 in the uh, Southern league is, is a, is a, is a feat. Whereas hitting 22 in like the Pacific coast league, uh, not as impressive. Well, I mean, Joey was, he was, I think he was well advanced by that time. He was, I mean, he, he obviously oh, had, he obviously had Ted Williams as a, kind of a, a, a teacher in his mind. You know, you watch him hit, you watch him te- hit teaching videos. We teach you how to hold a bat. He teach you how to swing. He teach you what to do. Oh yeah. I think Joey was probably a student of that game. Oh, he, during this, during his minor league career, he uh, carried the Ted Williams science of hitting uh, book with him wherever he went. So uh, Joey's a reader. He is a very analytical type person. Uh, yeah. So, uh, I, I don't know if he's to the Trevor Bauer advanced statistics level, but uh, he's definitely, definitely near the same page as uh, as Bauer. He's very, uh, very uh, inward thinking uh, type of person, kind of a little bit of an introvert. Uh, though you, you do see him, uh, as we talked earlier interviews, he's he can be very, very funny, very engaging. I, like I said, I love to have him do interviews every game. <laughs> oh, just I would for, too. Just for the hell of it, you know, just go out there. Hey, I'm Joey Votto. Let's talk. <laughs> so, 2007 season uh, started out uh, playing for the Louisville Bats, uh, and then finally got the call up September 1st, 2007, uh, making his major league debut on September the fourth against the Mets. Uh, first at bat, he struck out. His second major league at bat only to be outdone recently by Tyler Stevenson. Uh, second major league at bat, Votto hit his first major league home run. And Scott Hatterberg was hating life. <laughs> you his know, job was in jeopardy. You know, Scott Hatterberg had a movie made about him. Joey Votto hasn't, and that that is a crime. That is a shame. Joey Votto needs to have a Canadian movie named after him. <laughs> <laughs> of course, I'm talking about Moneyball. It's a, a Scott Hatterberg movie. Yeah, he was in that. He was with that 2002 Oakland A team that was incredible, right? And and, and Hatterberg was a, I mean he, he was a pretty good player for the Reds. Different definitely when they acquired him, he brought a different uh, philosophy to hitting to the Reds and something that Votto uh, carried over to a different level. Uh, even to even today when Votto struggles a little bit, he still kind of has that Scott Hatterberg get on base, uh, try to limit the outs as much as possible philosophy. Yeah, and, and I mean the thing is with Cincinnati, when first baseman, we found all incredible luck there, from Pete Rose to Tony Perez, uh, to uh, Sean Casey. Sean Casey was incredible first baseman. Oh, don't Scott forget, Hatterberg. don't forget about Hal Morris. Of course, Hal Morris, Nick Asaski played some first base, and then uh, like I said, Hatterberg, and then Joey Votto. Right now, has been there since two thousand eight, oh seven eight. Right. But he's carried that. I mean, he's going to follow Joey Votto one day. You know, it's going to be tough shoes to fill. Very tough shoes to fill. And, of course, in 2008, Votto uh, started the season as a platooning, but that didn't last very long. 
Dusty Baker uh, made him the regular starting first baseman early April that year. And uh, that year drove in a career high or high five runs against the Cubs uh, in a game uh, in early April. And May 7th uh, of that year, he had a three home runs against the Cubs. He loved beating up on the Cubs that year. I think any Reds hitter loves to beat up on the Cubs, the Cardinals, the Brewers, Pirates, anybody in our division we just love to beat up on. Right. Had a uh, four-hit game against the Giants that year. Uh, finished – I don't know how they th- – this was where the the uh, kind of the media bias in Cincinnati maybe not being that great of a team. He should have won Rookie of the Year that year. Instead, it went to Giovanni Soto of the Cubs. Uh, but Vano led NL rookies in hitting at 297, hits 156, home run 24 home runs, total bases 266, and had 42 multi-hit games with an on-base percentage of 368, slugging 506, and uh, broke uh, tons of Reds records, including most runs batted in by a rookie in a season. Um, the previous one was by Frank Robinson in, in 1956. So, uh, Votto drove in 84 RBIs that year in 2008. Did not get rookie of the year, and that, that is complete media bias. Uh, leading rookies in all those stats, there's no no reason he should not have gotten rookie of the year that year. And, and where's Giovanni Soto now? Retirement, right? Joey Votto's still playing top of his game. Absolutely. So um, whoever was called rookie of the year that year was stupid. <laughs> Joey <laughs> Votto should have been rookie of the year. Yeah, I don't. I don't have G- Giovanni Soto's uh, stats in front of me, but uh, nothing against Giovanni Soto. He was a good catcher. He's a good catcher, not a great catcher, but he bounced around after the Cubs for he went to a few places. But he wasn't rookie of the year. I'm sorry, it's just not in my eyes. Right, 2009 for Votto was a, kind of a tough year. Uh, in 2008, his uh, dad passed away suddenly. Uh, leaving uh, Vado with some depression and anxiety he had to deal with that year. So he did uh, did go on the disabled list uh, due to that, and also he's suffering vertigo uh, at one point in the year, or uh, not necessarily vertigo, but an inner, inner ear infection that was causing dizziness. Um, but He bet, uh, he bet at 322. Oh, yeah, he came back hitting. <laughs> came back hitting, and I think uh, that's something some Reds fans that always – uh, try to make fun of, which you should never make fun of anybody suffering depression or anxiety. No. Uh, but uh, they forget that he came, when he came back, he came back with a vengeance, 322, hit on base percentage of 414, slugging 567 and 25 home runs that year, leading in to the 2010 season of MVP Votto. And that's when the fans really turned – uh, to love Joey Votto, I remember going to a game and hearing the MVP chants uh, going on in September. The pennant race was on uh, that year, and, and Votto absolutely brought the team on his shoulders and uh, carried them into the postseason. A surprise year. No one expected the Reds to do the good. In fact, I remember early uh, that season, the Reds were struggling. I'm like, yeah, it's going to be another year of disappointment, and then Come September, everybody's wanting to go to games. Or come August, uh, everybody's wanting to go to games. They're scoreboard watching during rain delays. They're putting the Cardinals games up. Uh, of course, you had the big fight that year. Uh, 2010, a very special year for the Reds. Um, as, they, as they start to break into uh, a term I hate, but I, I guess it's kind of true, their window of opportunity that year, especially uh, since it was all 
pretty much homegrown talent with some veterans added into the bullpen uh, that year that we don't have in, two, in 2020. But uh, it's, it's hard to believe that's been 10 years ago. But Votto that year was he he was he was a threat because uh, he uh, reminded me a little bit of uh, Barry Bonds during the height of the steroid steroid era where pitchers were walking Votto even with uh, runners on base just to pitch around him. Right. I mean, he only had 91 walks. It wasn't like Bonds. Bonds had like 225 well, yeah, walks. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I remember watching Bonds get walked. I'm like, okay, well, we'll just walk him every time he, he comes up to bat. I yeah, mean, I guess I exaggerated that a little bit, but but it, it was kind of crazy because you would see Votto uh, come up, and and especially towards the end of the season, and they would uh, walk him uh, to get around, around him, even if there were runners on base. Now, I don't think they ever walked – him intentionally with uh, with bases loaded, like I did see them do bonds. Yeah, that was I don't know. It was Dusty was the manager too. Imagine that. <laughs> two, the two thousand ten team I thought was awesome, uh, even from the beginning. I just looked at the lineup and said, "This is going to be a, this is be our year." And Joey Votto was the leader. He right. was the guy going to lead the way. And Joey had a great two thousand ten. Like you said, he had three twenty four. I mean, he was he got better from the previous year. Right. He was. Uh... He was on an all. He was on an all star that year. Uh, made it through fan roster through like the uh, final vote. That which is ridiculous. Yeah, I couldn't believe you get that. He was on the final vote. He should have been in the starting lineup. Honestly. Oh, absolutely. Uh, also, that year on September 11, I think I was at that game. Votto, uh, I was at that game in 2010, uh, September 11th. Uh, he hit his first career walk-off home run against uh, Justin Thomas of the Pirates. But that's not the funny part of that game. Uh, because it was September 11th, uh, part of the pregame ceremonies included a uh, demonstration uh, by Navy SEALs. And they, uh, they uh, I think it's one of the concussion, or not concussion, one of the, uh, they're using them in the, uh, Early on, they're they're using them in some of the cities where they have uh, um, uh, riots going on. They'll I can't remember what they they're called flash the the flash bombs or flash grenades. Yeah, they uh, they dropped one of those off. Uh, There's more of a smoke, but anyway, J- Joey jumped so much that he actually fell on his butt <laughs> during the pregame, uh, but went on to have a great game. It was a pretty cool uh, demonstration to. Uh, but yeah, that was, uh, that was pretty funny. I was, uh, the game was awesome. And, uh, um, especially considering that was his, uh, first, uh, walk off, uh, home run, uh, took place in the 2010 season. I mean, and it, and it followed with a bunch more. And oh, a absolutely. Lot of great, a lot of great memorable ones. And he hit, uh, 324 that season, 113 yeah. RBI, 106 runs scored and 37 home runs including a grand slam on uh, may 20th against the braves even stole 16 bases yeah it's it's (laughs) (laughs) which now that that may lead the team if he would if he would be able to do that this year that's a career high for him that's the only year he scored (laughs) he he stole 16 bases right uh he also won the uh hank aaron award in in the national league that year and uh 2010 nl mvp uh, almost winning it unanimously. 
Yeah, I think uh, wasn't Matt Kemp the runner-up? Uh, I'm not sure who the runner-up was, but the only other player to get a, a, a first-place vote was Albert Pujols. Well, that's understandable. And Votto, that year, third Canadian in history to win the MVP award after Larry Walker and uh, Justin Monroe. Well, that's, that's good company. Larry Walker, Hall of Famer now. <laughs> and the uh, first Reds player to win it since uh, Barry Larkin won it in 95. And then I, I remember hearing about that. I'm like, wow, 95. I, I mean, at that point, it was like, man, that seemed like a long time ago. Yeah, Votto said after uh, being named the MVP, he's like, not to be dramatic or anything, but after I was told, I couldn't help to cry uh, because I uh, know how much at some point this meant to me and would have meant to my late father. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure his dad was smiling. And he, and he also said, I, he's like, I did some pretty good things, and most importantly, we won. We went to the playoffs. It's been a long time since we've been to the playoffs, and I think all those uh, things together were the reason I won. Yeah, and, and I think it was he was winning for his dad and for himself and for the fans because, yeah. I mean, we, we hadn't seen a playoff game in, in who knows. I mean, it would it would it'd been many years. I mean, it probably been 10, 15 years by that point, but, I mean, it, was, it seemed like that he was the leader. He became that leader that we were looking for for a long time. And uh, in 2016, uh, when he looked back at the season, uh, he told the uh, Cincinnati Inquirer that until Trout came into the league, I thought every year I could be in the conversation for the best player in the game. And uh, he uh, messed that up for everybody, Babe Ruth and Ted Williams included. He's ruining it for everyone. It's all his fault. (laughs) And and Trout is that good. I mean, uh, he's probably the best player I've seen in person. Mike Trout's incredible, and I saw a comparison, not to go off Votto for a minute, but I saw a comparison between uh, uh, Mike Trout and King Griffey Jr. at 29. Oh, I did too. It was, it was pretty ma- amazing. Yeah, the uh, numbers were pretty pretty close. Yep. Uh, 2011 season started off that uh, the Reds gave him a three-year deal to avoid arbitration. Uh, three years, $38 million. Uh, 2011 season was kind of a tough year for Votto. I believe this is a season he got injured a little bit. Uh, but, uh, uh, was it 2012? No, 2000. I'm, I'm not sure. 2012. He was injured. Oh, okay. Uh, he, missed, he missed 51 games. 2011. He played and he missed only one game. In oh, okay. It wasn't that year then. Yeah. Uh, but the You're team, the, the teams, I thought it was that year cause the team struggled that, that year, but, uh, Votto didn't 309 batting average, 29 home runs, 103 RBI led the NL in doubles. Uh, with 40s, and of course, uh, this is when the walks really started. 110 walks for the year, yeah. on base percentage of 416, and won a Gold Glove award. That's the only time he won a Gold Glove. Oh, I know. That I, sucks. T- 2011, I guess, is kind of a forgotten season. Now, in 2012, he started off the year signing the largest contract in Reds history, uh, running through 2024, including the option. Um, it also included the two years that remained on the previous deal, so it ended up being a 12-year, $251 million contract, uh, which was the longest deal at the, in baseball at that time. And he'll retire as a Red. Um, he'll join Barry Larkin and Dave Concepcion and Johnny Bench, and amongst others that have played their whole entire career with Cincinnati, and that's right. cool. I think that's, that's awesome. It also made him the highest-paid athlete from Canada. Hey, money, money's good, eh? <laughs> <laughs> right. So in 2012, that was the year that he uh, was injured, played 111 games. Uh, but 
hit 337, 474 on base percentage, and a 587 slugging percentage uh, with 14 home runs, 56 RBI, and still hit 44 doubles. Even this, I mean, all these numbers are before he got hurt. And I mean, he had 94 walks. 94 walks at the, to, to 85 strikeouts. Right. So he and, was still in, in the in the black. And 18, 18 of those were intentional walks. Yeah, like you said, 44, geez, 44 doubles in 111 games. That's a that's a career high for him. Oh, absolutely. But then in 2013, and that's his comeback year. Yep, 2000, in uh, 2013. Uh, now this is cool. I still have the T-shirt. I can't believe it's been this long ago. He was voted by fans on Twitter. I probably sent 5,000 tweets. I rarely <laughs> use Twitter, but I did for that. Uh, he became the face of MLB. And deliver. I mean, look at that. That's a face a mother could love. I mean, look right. at his face. He got more votes than uh, Joe Maurer, Jose Bautista, Derek Jeter, uh, McCutcheon, and uh, Matt Kemp. You know what's shocking is he got more votes than Derek Jeter. <laughs> that is true. I, I like I said, I I'm pretty sure I sent like five thousand tweets out for that uh, for that Twitter contest. Red social media did did a great job. Had a social media night, and and I have a T-shirt that my kids point up and say "Dad" too. So I'm like, yeah, I'm not Joey Votto. I wish I was. No, you're not. You're not. You're not Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I can't hit four hundred or three hundred. Uh, I, I I can in softball, but that's low in softball. <laughs> so, uh, 2013 season, uh, pretty good year for him. He did play in the uh, World Baseball Classic that year, and um, also made the All Star team. Yeah, I believe wasn't that his first year making the All Star team? If no, I, if no, I'm no, two, no, 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 2010. That was that was ten. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, 2014 season, uh, another injury year, but not as not as bad. Uh, actually, I take that back. That 14 was, was, 14 he missed 100 was, games. Yeah, that was really bad. That's when he had uh, knee, knee, knee problems that year. 252, hit only 255, 390 on base percentage, 409 slugging percentage, and only six home runs. So 2014 was a rough year. That was Brian Price's first year as a manager and the first year of instant replay, and both of those combined uh, were, were a disaster. That, that's a different rant. <laughs> you know, we could go on and on about Brian Price and the instant replay and the umpire sucking and the Joe Joe's <laughs> knee hurting him. That year, we could forget about that year. Yep, uh, we're getting into the, kind of the forgettable years. 2015, uh, Votto um, struggling again. Uh, he got ejected after a strikeout. I kind of <laughs> remember this. Yeah, I did. I actually know it's starting to come back to me now. Uh, it was in Pittsburgh. He had a. Uh, Choice words uh, with Garrett Cole during the at bat, um, and then uh, during the argument, it appeared that he uh, had bumped Chris uh, Conroy, the umpire, uh, and got a one-game suspension uh, with that, which he did serve. I guess that's not the one where he apologizes. I remember another game where he did the kind of the same thing. Uh, now this game, I think it was just they were just. The banter was back and forth, and, and Joey got a little bit too close and bumped him. And I don't know right. if it was deliberate or not. I, I don't know. I mean, we could go with the, the Palazzo and, and Pete Rose argument with that one was a bump, but that was a finger to the face, but that's a different story. Right. But Joey, Actually, he, but, he got he got suspended. or, or uh, Yeah, he got suspended yeah. for two games later that year. Uh, Which he shouldn't have. No, and that was also against the Pirates. 
Actually, all three games he was ejected that year were against the Pirates. One of them included a a bench-clearing brawl. I think this is almost when the uh, bean war between the two teams started. I wish Amir Garrett was around back then. (laughs) That would have been fun. And Joey had 143 walks that year. 143 walks, man. Right. Uh, but and also that year was uh, he started back his on-base streak. Uh, that year he tied uh, the Reds record uh, set by Pete Rose in 78 when he got on base for 48 straight games. Yeah. Yeah, I do remember that because I was I'm a Pete Rose fan. And I, I, I see these, these records. <laughs> Some of these records you forget about. Now it popped up. I'm like, right. oh, here we go. Uh, and I wouldn't mind it if Joey Votto would be the guy that would pass Pete on that one. Yeah, he had 143 walks that year, uh, 314 batting average, 29 home runs, 80 RBI, walking 20.6% of his at-bats. Can you imagine if the walks counted for an at-bat? He had 545 at-bats and 143 walks. Yeah, and then that year he only swung at 19% of pitches outside the strike zone. He had 459 on base percentage. Wow. And uh, finished third in the MVP voting that year behind uh, Bryce Harper and uh, Paul Goldschmidt. Good names. Yep. 2016 uh, started off slow, uh, which is starting to become a theme for uh, Joey, Uh, and then turned it on. He became the first uh, Major League Baseball player since uh, Ichiro uh, to hit 400 after the All-Star break. He had 408. 490 and 668 in the second half of that year. Say that one more time because you kind of uh, faded out for oh, a second. 408, 490, and 668 uh, was his slash line. Wow. That's that's incredible. Uh, 326 average uh, was the second best of his career and uh, hit 29 home runs that year. He, he, he had 29 two years in a row. Um, but, I mean, his bad 326 batting average. I was looking at the batting averages because that's where that's that's how you should that's how you prove a good hitter. Oh yeah, Tony, total proof of that. If you watch his whole career, he batted 300 every year. Yeah, 435 on base percentage that year, 550 slugging, which was six in the National League, 108 walks and 97 RBI, playing 158 games uh, that year. Uh, leaders in OPS, uh, total bases and became the 10th player in Major League history to lead the league in on-base percentage at least five times. The only other players that have done it were Barry Bonds, Ted Williams, Babe Ruth, Rogers Hornsby, Ty Cobb, Wade Boggs, and Stan Musial. Man, can you imagine being in that company? Just his name being mentioned with those Hall of Famers, that's incredible. Right. 2017 season was uh, the best recent season uh, finished the first half of the season. Uh, this is going into the All-Star break. Uh, 315, 427, and 614, slugging 26 home runs. Yeah, he was definitely on at that point. Uh, got an All-Star appearance uh, as a substitute, which is still ridiculous. <laughs> but yeah. nobody nobody gives uh, Votto love. Of course, you know, the Reds that year was awesome. This was uh, something fun that came from this year was uh, when he was trying to get Zach Cozart onto the All-Star game. He uh, pr- And this is uh, one of the uh, times that uh, he, some of his famous interviews, he promised to buy Zach Cozart a donkey. A donkey, yeah. <laughs> I remember that. Yep, and then uh, he actually appeared on uh, MLB Network's Intentional Talk wearing a donkey suit. 
I remember that too. <laughs> I do remember seeing that. That was funny. Joey, Joey is the man when it comes to interviews. I, right. I, I can't help it. Cozart uh, made it, and Joey did buy Cozart uh, a donkey. I do miss Zach Cozart. He was a fun player. Right. Uh, Votto's second half, uh, just as good as his first half, uh, had a streak of consecutive games reaching base multiple times, which spanned 20 games and was the second longest in MLB history behind Ted Williams' uh, record of 21. Any, anytime your name's mentioned with Ted Williams, you've done something really impressive. Right. Finished that year with a stat line, uh, 319 batting average, 578 slugging percentage, 106 runs scored, 36 home runs, 100 runs batted in, uh, led the league in OBP at 454, OPS at uh, 1.032, and walks for the fifth season in a row of 134. Uh, his walk percentage was 19%. And uh, walks per strikeout at 1.61, which just is amazing, and had 20 intentional walks. And 134 walks compared to 83 strikeouts. Right. Uh, wow. I mean, it's just crazy. He also became the first Reds player since Pete Rose in 1975 to start all 162 uh, regular season games in a season and just the fourth player in franchise history to do so, which that that's, that's kind of amazing as well. And he's one of those types of hitters who is a perfectionist at the plate. Right. And uh, came, nothing wrong with that. came in second barely uh, in yeah. MVP voting, and I think he really should have got MVP because Stanton's good, but he pretty much just hit home runs. And, and, then, and uh, that part, the overall game, Votto had a better year that year. Well, I think we look at today's game, it's all about the home runs when it comes to hitting. I think that's what most of the these voters look at. They look at the home runs. They look at the RBIs. They don't look at the batting average anymore. They don't look at the on-base percentage anymore. They look at the home runs. Right. So now 2018, 2019, we'll kind of combine these two years because I, I don't like calling it the decline years, but from, from a stat standpoint, uh, you do start seeing a little bit of decline, not so much in 2018, uh, other than the power kind of went away uh, that year, he did have another uh, issue with his knee, I believe. Yeah, he did, and uh, only had eight home runs, forty-four RBIs. Uh, did make the All Star game uh, for the season, not too bad. Two eighty-four, four seventeen, four nineteen uh, slugging. Uh, led the league in on base percentage, uh, only swinging at sixteen point four percent of pitches outside the strike zone, uh, which has again led the majors as the lowest percentage last year, though. Tough year for Joey, was not the same player. Uh, 261, 357, 411 uh, slugging with 15 home runs, 47 RBIs. And uh, his swinging at pitches outside the strike zone again uh, went up a little bit, but uh, still lowest in, in the majors, 21.1%. Um, but uh, it was a tough year for Joey. He was not happy. Uh, he, he made that clear to everyone, and he was hoping to uh, turn things around, around again. The Reds, of course, had new coaching staffs last year, uh, different hitting philosophies. Of course, their hitting coach from last year did not return this year, and I think a lot of it has to do with Joey Votto. Uh, could be wrong, uh, but when your best hitter is struggling, your hitting coach is probably going to be the first to go. Yeah, and we saw that with a couple of hitting coaches the last few years. Uh, and then he brought a, a hitting coach in this year. I don't even know who he is. 
<laughs> you know, I never I, heard of him. Honestly, never heard of him. <laughs> no offense to the to the gentleman, but I've never heard of him. Right. But uh, anyway, Votto this year, hope, hopefully we'll turn things around. He's struggling right now. Uh, like I said, hitting below uh, 200 right now. But uh, hopefully he can uh, turn that back around because he started the year pretty hot this year. Uh, he's gone this last week in a little bit of a slump. Baseball is almost a little bit like football or fantasy baseball this year where you kind of got to break things down week by week. Well, I mean, there's one. I mean, if you look at Votto, he's been at 46 at-bats. He's only struck out twice. Right. That that's a huge improvement. And you know it's only forty six at bats. Right. So uh questions about Votto, of course, always. Is he a Hall yeah. of Famer? I believe it, he's a Reds Hall of Famer at this point. I think he's he's still got a lot more years to go. I think we will be the judge and <laughs> a judge on that and maybe when his contract's up. See, I, I completely, completely disagree. Um I think he is he is a uh, Hall of Famer. I would say first ballot, but uh, probably the last couple of years may hurt a little bit. But uh, ha- having been to Cooperstown, seeing some of the players up there with similar stats, I I, th- I think he is going to end up being. Um, he's definitely going to be a Hall of Famer, he's, and especially since they've kind of expanded some of the criteria, or, or seemingly with some of the players uh, that were inducted, that were supposed to be inducted this year. Uh, I, I definitely think he is um, he is as good, if not better, than them. Uh, I know Baseball Reference uh, has some of his uh, Hall of Fame stats kind of right on the bubble. Uh, some of them are over, some are not in the uh, Jaws uh, stats, which I know a lot of the voters are now using. Uh, Votto's uh, career war is... Um, is up there uh, with the uh, is at sixty two. The average Hall of Famer has a sixty six WAR. Has a few more years to play to get that closer to that average. Uh, his peak WAR though is above the average. Or his seven year peak WAR is forty six point nine. His Jaws uh, average is fifty four point four, which is right in line with the uh, average Hall of Famer. Uh, he is ranked. 14th in, in the in the uh, Jaws stats all-time first baseman. And then the, some of the stats we were going through before, we keep mentioning names like Ruth, uh, Williams, and uh, some of the other players, Pete Rose, uh, who should be a Hall of Famer if not for his own misconduct, uh, which is another show in itself as well. But um, I, I, th- I think Votto is going to be there. Gray Inc., uh, his batting's 149. Average Hall of Famer's 144. So... Uh, if if you look at at his recent stats, his last couple of years, you're going to say no. But I mean, if you look at Ken Griffey Jr.'s uh, last couple of years, you would think. And I, I think I remember some Reds fans, disgruntled Reds fans, around that time, like, "Oh, he's not going to make the Hall of Fame, or he's not going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer." And he he was almost the first unanimous Hall of Fame um, vote uh, getter. So uh, I th- I think. Uh, you know, if, if Votto could have one really good year, it was pretty much the minutes. Uh, but I, I do think uh, Votto is a Hall of Famer. I I think, it, it, like I said, I think for me, you'd have to play a couple more years and see how he can advance himself and improve himself a little bit in the field. Having only one gold glove will hurt his, his uh, chances, I believe. Because even Larry Walker, if you look at him, he's had seven gold gloves. He didn't win. A, he didn't get to win a World Series. You know, 
His his numbers: 383 home runs in his career, 1,311 RBIs, about 313. Votto's in the 300. He's about 305 career average. I think he he will get there. I don't think it's first ballot. I don't think he'll be first ballot. But I think uh, it may be first ballot too. The, the way that how 2020 is going to be judged by anybody is hard to say. Uh, yeah. Some some of the baseball writers may just throw this season out. Uh, I mean, it's it's hard to count on anything uh, this year, uh, in whether it's sports, entertainment, life in general. This year is is kind of its own little bubble. Yeah, I mean, even the, the, this year's Hall of Fame inductees didn't even get to have a ceremony. That sucks. Right. I mean, the, this year has really ruined everything, and and even I, mean, I, I agree. I think the writers should just throw totally throw this season out, and not even count it. Yeah, I mean, you play 60 games, there's not much you can look at. Oh, I know. <laughs> you know? But uh, I think you, if there's something to look forward to, hopefully next year will be a different different time period for us. So uh, here, here's some questions uh, from some listeners. Josh asks, and this is not Joey Votto related, but we'll ask this anyway. Uh, should the Cardinals be allowed to make up their missed games or just forfeit and have to sit out the rest of the season? Of course, uh, that's some news we didn't get into earlier. The Cardinals... Uh, seemingly to have uh, more tests uh, turn out positive every day, so their series against the Pirates is going to be canceled. It's almost they're almost going to go two weeks without uh, playing games. So, how baseball handles this, I, I don't know what the right answer is. Uh, they're going to have a lot of seven inning double headers, maybe, uh, or th- they should. Uh, I mean, I, I think I heard someone talk about they could just bring up uh, the guys from their. Uh, uh, practice squad uh, or the alternate site, but I think they're so worried because coaches and staff members have it that they don't want to expand the uh, take a chance on on it spreading even further in their organization. So, uh, and then of course you know you have the unfair um, is it is it a fair uh, for other teams that do play them while they have their minor leaguers up their triple A team uh, so to speak. So. That's a tough question. I, I don't know how uh, how baseball should handle teams that have uh, huge outbreaks like this. Well, I think I even I was talking about this on Facebook that you just I mean if you have to kick them out of the league because I mean I feel the same way about the Marlins. The Marlins went and was they, they lost at least a week of, and they have to make those games up eventually. And the Cardinals are they're they're really behind right now. They're 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 in danger of losing the rest of their season if they can't get this under control. Then it's going to be a lost season for them because they can't do the smart thing. Right. Everybody needs to do the smart thing, and it comes to baseball. When it comes to football coming up, everybody needs to do the smart thing, and just do your your protocols. Your protocols are given to you before you even take the field. Right. Uh, Timothy Beadle was asking about Joey. Why does the fan base uh, refuse to acknowledge how t- great he really is? I think we kind of touched on that at the end of uh, his profile where, you know, it's, it's been some losing seasons. Uh, he's kind of had a couple of down years. So people remember what you've done for them lately more than what you've done overall and, and don't appreciate the big picture. I mean, reading through some of the stuff tonight on uh, Joey, it's, it's stuff that was kind of news to me that uh, he matched up with so many of the uh, great players, the legends of the game. So I, I think that's part of it. If the Reds uh, go to the World Series this year and Votto's a big part of that and hits the uh, game-winning single in the in Game 7, uh, 
people are going to be throwing a parade for him as soon as that's allowed. And even if I mean he gets the World Series, if he becomes even if he's the World Series MVP, that will really prove that he is a prime time player and deserves to be a Hall of Famer. Right. And uh, one last question uh, from Julie. Uh, she asks, "What's his, what is his main strategy in batting practice, and how does he apply it in games?" Uh, not really sure if I can answer this accurately. I, I have been at batting practice before, watching him hit. Uh, he does spend a lot of time talking to the coaches uh, outside the uh, cage uh, during the on-field batting practice. I also know uh, that he spends a lot of time uh, training uh, in the off-season at his home, uh, either in Sarasota or in Canada. Uh, also spends time training uh, in in uh, early batting practice inside the cages at uh, Great American Ballpark. Uh, the uh, cages they have there are super advanced. Uh, the, basically, uh, they have one cage where you can pull up any pitcher, and and the uh, it's going to simulate uh, that pitcher's pitches uh, for that day. It's it's it's, uh, it's it's kind of incredible the uh, technology that he has. And then uh, the, one other thing, as far as his training goes, I know they have one of these in Cincinnati, and the Reds. Uh, he either bought it for himself, and the, I think that he bought one for uh, Arizona if I remember correctly, and then the Reds put one in Cincinnati, a great American ballpark. It's called the running man. It's like a $5 million or $500,000 piece of exercise equipment. That's supposed to help him get limber and, and avoid injuries. Of course, you know, a couple of years ago, he started, he's kind of slimmed down and, and looked a lot more flexible and, and stuff as far as he, I think he knew he had to do that as he was getting older. So, I think he tries to train right, eat right, and then he's, like we said, very analytical. So his hitting approach is always going to be to uh, try to hit inside the tunnel, uh, so to speak. And I, he mentioned a little bit of that at Red's Fest, that he needs to get back to um, to uh, hitting the, the way that he hits, <laughs> so to speak. He said, I forget his exact words, but I know he mentioned something about a tunnel and then he either got it too wide or too loose. I think he may have got it a little bit too narrow. So he's, you know, he saw a lot of thirds calls, called third strikes last year, and like you say, he's only struck out twice this year. So uh, he's definitely he's he's still being selective at the plate, but he's uh, he's trying to uh, trying to hit the ball. Yeah, and 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 like I said, what I've been saying with the choking up on the bat, I think that shortening his swing has really helped his game. And it's going to help him see the pitches better to know what's coming at him because he knows he's not going to swing at anything outside. I haven't seen him really go after the bad pitches, the sliders and all that. They're pitching him inside like most lefties get pitched inside. He's laying off those pitches. Basically, uh, his walks are going to be up this year, I think, even to 60 games. He's still going to walk a ton. Uh, his strikeouts are down, and I think if he keeps the strikeouts down, he's, he's going to be a major player. Uh, and maybe even the next year because he's working hard to keep his game up and because he knows he's getting older. He knows at his age they start slipping. And I think he, he, he's well, – plus he's got to work. He's got to keep that knee healthy. Oh, absolutely. He had that surgery, you know, in, in 2000, was it 14 or something like I that? I believe 14 was the, was the year we talked about. Yeah, and he had that knee surgery, and he knows he's got to keep that up because, I mean, if you don't keep that knee up, it's going to stiffen, and he's not going to be able to hit. He'll he he end up hitting – poorly and 
fielding poorly. Right, and and uh, keeping flexible is one one of the key things. Uh, I, I know uh, Raleigh Fingers talked about it at the All Star Game in 2015 uh, on his theory as far as why there's so many pitcher injuries now. Uh, he blamed a lot of the the way that the players exercise and weight train and don't uh, pay enough attention on flexibility. So I, I think that's what that running man that I talked about does. Of course, Votto, uh, I know he's uh, watching his nutrition and everything else, which is a huge deal as, as you get older. Once, once you get older, I mean, for non-athletes, you know, you used to be able to, when you're 22 years old, eat, eat a full pizza and lose five pounds. You can't do that anymore uh, when you start getting your, in your late 30s. Well, tell me about it. I'm 44, and <laughs> I eat a pizza now, and my I'm I'm shaking the house, man, when I walk, and it's incredible. <laughs> so anyway, let's get into the uh, answer for this week's trivia question. Contrary to many beliefs, the modern day Cincinnati Reds franchise was not one of the original teams in the inaugural National League season of 1876. The modern day Reds uh, franchise began in the American Association in which year? And you said. 1883 and the answer was 1882 oh my god really yeah. <laughs> yep uh, a year <laughs> the cincinnati red franchise of 1876 that folded in 1880 is not the same franchise that we know today the modern day franchise began at the cincinnati red stockings in the american association in 1882 uh, that league existed until 1891, but uh, the Reds quit that league in 1889 and joined the National League in 1890. Uh, in 1882, the team won the first American Association League pennant by going 55 and 25, 13 games ahead of second place Louisville Eclipse in their only uh, pennant in that league. Impressive. Impressive. So uh, next week we have a special show. Uh, I'm going to be out of town, so we're going to uh, do a show on the 2010 Cincinnati Reds season. And uh, until then, uh, go Reds. Go Reds.